Christmas questions. All right, who has all of their Christmas shopping done? Okay, one, two. Back there, okay, about, there were about three in the first service. Young people were sick or something. I don't know what's going on. Uh, how many of you have all your, if, uh, all your presents wrapped? Okay. Now, when it comes to uh, whether you've gotten all your presents done, your shopping, whenever all is said and done, will you spend more on your Christmas presents online or will you spend more in brick-and-mortar stores? Okay, when all is said and done on your Christmas presents, who will spend more online? Okay, who will spend more in brick-and-mortar? All right. So um, I have a, another question. This is a, a geography question. It involves Joseph and Mary. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. Feel free to use digital. Or if you want to, we have uh, paper Bibles in front of you. With one exception, we will be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Okay. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. The Roman government wanted everybody, they wanted a census, they wanted to count how many people were there, so this is what they did. So here's the question I have. Don't answer it right off the bat, but how many of you believe that when Joseph went up to Bethlehem from Nazareth, that he actually went south, okay? How many of you believe that when Joseph went up from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that he actually went south. How many of you think that to be the case? Okay. The reality is that is correct because here's this picture. Back in the day, picture, here's this picture. <laughs> There's that picture. <laughs> When the when you're <laughs> you're forgiven, Rod. <laughs> when they talked about up, they were not talking about direction, north and south. They were talking about elevation. If you're going up, you're going up higher. If you're going down, you're going down, not north and south. So anytime you see in Scripture where it talks about they're going up, they're talking about going up in elevation. So that's for free. Okay. Luke chapter 2, verse 5. He, Joseph, went there to Bethlehem to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, when Joseph and Mary arrive in Bethlehem, is the baby just ready to be born? In other words, as they come into Bethlehem, is Mary already in labor, ready to have her baby right then and there? Okay? Now, 
determine in your mind if Mary is in labor when they come into Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem, when they come into Bethlehem. But don't, don't answer. Let's see, let's see what the Bible says, all right? Verse 6. While they were there, while Joseph and Mary were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, contrary to what we feel about Christmas, there is no indication in Scripture that lends us to believing that Mary was in labor when she came into Bethlehem and gave birth that night. In fact, the Bible calmly says, while they were there, meaning they were there in Bethlehem, and when they were there in Bethlehem, then she went into labor and gave birth to a child. They were actually, in my thinking, probably in Bethlehem some time before Jesus was born. According to the culture of that day, when Joseph and Mary arrived into town, they would have been staying at some relative's house. That's just what they did. We don't typically do that. If we go to a strange town, we, we, we find a place to stay. Maybe we feel like a relative, we stay with them. But in that day and age, that was what they did. That was just everybody did that. And so they would have stayed with some relative. Apparently, there were a number of people staying at this particular relative's house such that the guest room was already filled up. And so that's why they wound up where there was a place where there was a manger. So now... How many of you know, let's go back to Joseph, how many of you know the most famous line that Joseph said? Now, it was either a question or a statement, it doesn't matter. How many of you know the most famous line in Scripture that Joseph said? Okay? The fact of the matter is, Joseph says nothing in Scripture. He says, absolutely zilch, zip, nada, nothing. But we do have ample evidence, not about what he says, but about his character. And his character is significant when it comes to Mary arriving in Bethlehem. And is she going to give birth then to the child she's carrying? Now, when Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant and not by him, he quite easily could have shamed her to a public divorce, but he chose not to do that. Why? This is the only time that we're leaving Luke chapter 2. We go to Matthew chapter 1, two books over to your left, 1 verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Okay, now, if... Joseph and Mary, at this point in time, are engaged. Why are we calling him a husband? Great question. Back in that day, in that culture, when people got engaged, they were engaged for about a year. During that time, the 
bride would be staying with her family, getting stuff ready, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the future husband, the groom, would be making a place for his intended to come and live with him. So Joseph and Mary were not living together, but if you were engaged in that culture, if you were going to break up your engagement, you had to have a divorce. I know it's weird, it's different than what we have, but in that day and age, if you were engaged, if you were going to break off the engagement, you had to have a divorce, all right? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, key, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Why did he want to divorce her quietly? He wanted to divorce her quietly because Joseph was an honorable man. He didn't want to bring any additional shame on this woman that he's engaged to. Now, it maybe didn't happen exactly that night, but I'm thinking it does. On the night before, for sure at least, that Joseph is going to divorce his intended. In a dream that night, Joseph gets a visit from an angel. And the angel tells him that this child that Mary is carrying is going to be the long-awaited Messiah. Hundreds of years these people have been waiting for a Messiah, and his intended is the one that is carrying that child. And when he found out that he was going to be the stepfather to the Messiah, the very next morning, bright and early, he did as he was instructed by the angel in the dream and went to Mary's family's house and took her from them into his own house to take care of her. Immediately. When does Joseph obey whenever God tells him to do something? He obeys immediately, kind of like you and I do. When God tells you to do something, do you do it immediately? Or do you kind of saunter? Or do you come up with excuses where you can't do it? Or God, you must be mistaken that you want me to do this now? I would venture to say that Joseph and Mary left on their 80-mile, 7- to 10-day walking journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem weeks, if not months, ahead of time. Now, Joseph is thinking, if I am going to be father to this child, and if this child is the Messiah... What kind of man would I be if I am taking my wife and we have a birth along the way and I know nothing about delivering a child? And would this child be safe if en route my wife gave birth to him? There's absolutely no way that this man who immediately obeys God 
and who is an honorable man and who is righteous and wants to do everything in the law according to the way that it's supposed to be. There's absolutely no way that he would take his wife on an eight-month pregnancy trip lest she deliver the child early. And whenever you're walking, ladies, as you know, that kind of speeds up the process, and that's how they're going. 80 miles. So because Joseph is an honorable man, he is going to make sure that his wife, who's carrying the Messiah, is going to be in Bethlehem in plenty of time. Let's fast forward to the day that the Messiah is born, that Jesus is born. And let's visit some of the lower-class society people. Let's go visit some shepherds and see what's going on with them. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them as he was laughing his head off, don't be afraid, because every time an angel shows up in Scripture, people are scared. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Is Jesus really for all the people? Is it possible? And not that we would do anything bad toward them, but is it possible that there is someone in our life that has done something to us, that has harmed us, that has cheated us, that has done something? Is there someone in our life that maybe we won't do anything against them, but we really don't care if they ever know about Jesus or if they ever know Jesus? And we're not going to do anything bad to them. But I, I don't know if I want this person really knowing Jesus. We're not like that ever, are we? The, angels are still, the angel is still speaking, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Now, did you just see the angels flying up in the sky behind the one angel? Did you just see them up there? I mean, that's how we have it on our Christmas cards, isn't that right? The angels are up in the sky and they're doing their thing and they're talking behind this one angel that's maybe he's on the ground, maybe he's up in the air. Personally, I think the one angel was standing on the ground, he just kind of poofed in and scared the heck out of these shepherds. 
And then, at this point in time, all these other shepherds, they might have been around the shepherds, the angels were, or they might have been behind this one main guy. And I think they were standing. I don't think they had to fly. I think they were just, that's just me. That's what I think, okay? They were saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Okay, now, in verses 8 through 10, we have Scripture telling us that Jesus is for all people. Now in verses 11 through 14, we have this kind of an indication that not all people have God's favor resting on them. So is, is Jesus really for all people, or is he on, only for people on whom God's favor rests? What, what's the distinction here? Does, does God, are there some people that just can't make it and his favor doesn't, he's for all people, but then he's on for these over here that on his, his favor rests on them? What, what's the deal? Okay. Let's uh, say you have entered the Powerball lottery and you have won. The day that the numbers were called, every ticket, every number you chose, even the Powerball was exactly yours. Perfect. Make no mistake about it. You have won 153, I know it's a measly amount for a Powerball. You have won $153 million, okay? On the first day, that you can go and take that ticket and redeem it and collect your $153,000 minus your taxes, you don't do it. Your ticket's home in this drawer where you know where it is. On the second day, you don't do it. On the third day, you don't take the ticket. In fact, 10 years go by and you don't redeem your ticket. 20 years go by. In fact, you live your entire life and do not redeem that winning $153 million lottery ticket. And you die having never redeemed that ticket. Well, did you actually win or not? Well, yes, you did. Did your winning make a huge positive financial difference in your life? It did not. But did you really win? Yes, you did. But did you take advantage of your winning? You did not. Jesus is for all people. You know the people on whom God's favor rests? They are the ones who take advantage of God's offer. Jesus is for everyone in the entire world. But God's favor can rest only on those that take advantage of the offer that God gives them for forgiveness through his son, Jesus. They are the ones on whom God's favor rests. They know they've won. They cash in their spiritual literary ticket, and they readily accept the forgiveness that Jesus has for them. Have you, have you accepted the forgiveness that Jesus has for all people? Does God's favor rest on you? Now, I realize in here, 
in this building watching online. Most of us probably have. But let me, let me, let me suggest this. Just because you're born into a family that is a Christian family doesn't mean that you are a Christian. Just because you go to church doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Just because you're a good person doesn't mean you're a Christian. To become a Christian, you can, like the day you got married, like the day you went to your first day of school, like the day you graduated, like the day you bought your first, first car, like the day you had your first car wreck, on, that you can figure out a day when you became a Christian. If you can't figure out a day, you probably didn't become a Christian. Becoming a Christian is not something you slide into. It doesn't happen unless you make the choice to accept what Jesus has to offer for you, which is his forgiveness. Can you remember the day you decided to commit your life to Jesus? Can you remember the day that you decided you were going to be immersed? Can you remember all those things? If you can't remember those, you're probably, probably, I don't know, but you're probably not a Christian. If you have not accepted this greatest Christmas gift of all, at the end of service, you'll have an opportunity to do so. And this is you, then I wouldn't put it off any longer. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They were so excited beside themselves, they wanted to go. Did the shepherds have to go? And check out what they've been told. No. They didn't have to go. They chose to go. They chose to go. And because they chose to go, they were blessed. They chose to go. And they were blessed. What sort of choices has God been wanting you to make that puts you, like the shepherds, closer to Jesus? God may be saying to you, I want you to do this. I want you to behave this way. I want you to go here. I want you to restore a relationship. I want you to do something. And you say, mm-hmm, I don't think I'm ready. Are you sure, God, you're not mixing me up with somebody else? What choice does God want you to make today? So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Where does God expect you to hurry to obey him? Rather than sauntering and procrastinating are you willing, like the shepherds, to hurry? Are you willing to immediately, like Joseph, to do what you know God wants you to do? Verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. How well do you and I spread the word about Jesus. It's so much easier, it seems, to talk about polit politics and junk like that or, or the game 
or the, the car we bought or the, the restaurant we went to that we want you to go see. And yet, what is more important? When was the last time that we had a conversation with someone who wasn't following Jesus about Jesus? Verse 18, And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Does the story of your encounter with Jesus amaze people? Concerning the shepherds, were the shepherds persuasive because they had all their theology correct? Were the shepherds persuasive because they could answer every question that was thrown at them? Were the shepherds persuasive because of their intellect? The shepherds were persuasive because they were excited about having seen Jesus the Messiah. That's why the people were amazed. Are the people that we know amazed because they see how excited we are about Jesus? Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What do you treasure? What do you ponder? What do you think about? The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Notice the phrase, just as they had been told. When did the shepherds get proof that what they had been told was true? The shepherds got proof of what they had been told was true when they acted on what they heard. They received the blessing when they acted on what they had been told. What kind of blessings might God have in store for you that you're not going to get? Because you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not acting on what you know to do what God wants you to do. And, and God says, I want to give you this blessing. I want you to have it, but I can't. You've tied my hands because you're not putting yourself in the position to receive it because you're not willing to go and do what really you know you should. Real practical, real, real fast. Three questions. What does God want you to do? Where does he want you to go? And who does he want you to speak to? We've talked about that all this time we've been talking. What does God want you to do? Where does he want you to go? And who does he want you to speak to? Surely. You got an answer for one of those. And so my question for you is this. Will you? Will you do what God's Spirit 
has been communicating to your heart this morning? Will you respond as he wants you to? The thing that he's been gnawing at you maybe for some time or maybe the thing that popped into your brain just this morning. Are you willing to do what he wants you to do? The shepherds determined to take steps toward Jesus. What step is God wanting next from you? Would you bow your head, please? It's easy to get thoroughly involved in all the hype and hoopla of this time of year. And even those of us that know better, it is, we're, we're lured away by this fun stuff, which is not wrong in and of itself, but it's not the thing about Christmas. Jesus is the thing about Christmas. The thing about Christmas is that Jesus came to earth to forgive us our sins. That's it. That's, that's the big deal. That is the big deal about Jesus coming to earth. And if we miss that, we miss everything that's important. So if you have never accepted Jesus, if you have not taken his forgiveness, if you have not put yourself into a position to receive God's favor, you can do that this morning. If you're in this room when church is over, and most everybody else is standing up and they're talking and they're walking around. But if you want to make sure that you've accepted Jesus and have his forgiveness, if you stay where you are, a decision guide will come to you and you and they can talk. The baptistry is ready to wash your sins away. You can experience on this day, December the 5th, why Jesus came. If you're home and you're watching and you have questions, if you contact us with the information you see on the screen, we will call you no later than tomorrow. And you can take care putting yourself to receive God's favor, accepting the best gift of all time, having Jesus forgive you of your sins. Don't, 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 don't leave today without doing what God wants you to do. Father in heaven, it's not difficult To become a Christian and we see readily that Jesus came to make a way for us to have our sins forgiven so God may we not be stupid and ignore that and forget it may we be 
so simply wise. In spite of our fallacies, in spite of our sins, in spite of our wrong, not that we deserve your forgiveness, but because we're here, we breathe air because Jesus came for us. Wherever we are, that forgiveness is available. May we take it. Thank you for what you have done. May we choose Jesus. In his name I pray.